Amen. Hallelujah. We greet each and every one of you who are listening to us. I pray that this message will be a blessing to you. And I pray that God will continue to do some wonderful things in your life. Again, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Get your Bibles out and turn it to 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings chapter 17. Hallelujah. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse number 22 says, For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them. Can I say this real quick about this text? Jeroboam was the king, and he was worshiping false idols and doing wrong. And when the people noticed that he was doing wrong and worshiping false idols, they had the choice to either leave or stay. But they stayed. And so because they stayed, they started doing what he did. And so that's why the scripture is telling us here, for the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them. Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day, meaning unto that day when this text was recorded. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharim. And placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not. Somebody say feared not. The Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them. Which slew some of them. Man, I thought God was loving. Why is he doing that? Wherefore, they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the Lord God of the land. Therefore, he had sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them, because they knew not the manner of the Lord God of that land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom ye brought from thence, and let him go and dwell there. Why should he dwell there? And let him teach them the manner of of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Hmm. Let's jump down to verse 33. Same second Kings 17. Verse 33. A lot of reading. If I don't preach good today, you'll say at least I got some reading. They feared the Lord and served their own gods. 
after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. Unto this day they do after their former manners. They fear not the Lord, neither do they after their statutes, or after their ordinances, or after the law and the commandment which the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them, saying, Ye shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourselves to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord, whom brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power and stretch out arm, him shall ye fear, and him shall ye worship, and to him shall ye do sacrifice. And the statutes, and the ordinances, and the law, and the commandment which he wrote for you, ye shall observe to do forevermore, and ye shall not fear other gods. That's what the Lord God had told them. And the covenant that I have made with you, ye shall not forget, neither shall ye fear other gods. But the Lord your God ye shall fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hand of your enemies. Howbeit they did not, somebody say they did not hearken, but they did after their own, after their former manner. Verse 41, final verse. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers, so do they unto this day. Jesus, all I want today is for your people to hear your word as you will have them to hear it. You do whatsoever you want. Don't let me get into your way today, but let your spirit guide me and lead me and constrain me according to thine will. I pray hearts will be open, minds will be clear, and we will become a doer of the word that is being spoken into our hearing and not just hearers only. I pray, Lord, for breakthrough. I pray, Lord Jesus, for deliverance. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will do work in the heart and the mind of every individual in this place. Lord, when this day is finished, I pray that we would have moved from where we are even now to where you want us to be. Whatever way you will accomplish that, so let it be done, Lord. I pray, God, that there will be total submission to you today. That not one individual will, will hold, withhold themselves from you, but every individual in this place will submit completely and totally and say, yes, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You may be seated. Today I want to preach to you on this topic. Half-breed Christians. Half-breed Christians. Or, if you want to go this way, spiritual half-breeds. They feared the Lord, 
but they served their own gods. They feared the Lord, but they served their own gods. That's a message in itself that we read about that the people that was in captivity, Israel, and the people that the king sent over to them, them too feared the Lord, but served their own gods. I think before we can go any further, we need to ask ourselves, while I'm preaching today, don't assume anything. Just ask yourself, is that me, Lord? While I'm preaching today, search yourself and say, does that pertain to me, God? Show me. Because the Bible says they feared the Lord, but served their own gods. And that provoked me a lot when I read that, that I fear God but serve my own gods. These scriptures teach us it is possible for humans to have a desire to have respect and to fear God, yet lack the willpower or the passion to break away from his or own way of living for his or her own gods. Israel had rebelled against the almighty God, Jehovah, and was serving, worshiping their own gods and living the way they wanted to live. God had told them they shouldn't bow down to any other gods. God had told them they must worship him and him only. But somehow, someway, they began to do their own thing, which God had told them clearly. That's not what you do. You should not do that. And so the Lord is saying to them, repent. He told them they must repent. They did not repent. They turned from worshiping God and serving him and lived the life that they wanted to, not the life God ordained for them. They did, they did what they wanted to, not what God wanted for them. But God told them, if you serve other gods and you live the way you want, those other gods and the way you want will take you captive. Oh. And so it's a message there for us. We can live our life the way we want to, but that lifestyle will hold you captive. And so God is trying to let us know, you can fear me and respect me, but, but don't have a will to serve me. And if that's what's going on in your life, guess what? Whatever you're chasing that's more important than me will hold you captive and will rule in your life. Half-breed Christians. So now, the children of Israel, they hardened their heart. And they continued to do what they wanted to do. They served their own gods. They feared God, but they served their own gods. They lived their life the way they wanted, but they feared God. Yeah, God is almighty. But that didn't move them to do anything. So now... Most of Israel was in captivity because what God promises, that's what's going to happen. And so because they did not serve and worship God, God allowed them 
to go into captivity. And so now most of Israel is in captivity by their enemy and most of their land is now desolate, save a few of the non-influential Israelites. So when God said he took them out of their country and took them to the Assyrians, he took out the most influential Israelites. And he left the poor Israelites there because why? Poor people had no power. So when you're talking about captivity, usually the poor people can't leave or they stay right there. And it's the influential people that can make things happen that gets captive. So Israel, people of influence, was captive. And God drove them out of their land and put them in Assyria. But some of the Israelites were still there. And so they're there. They're in captivity. Remember, they weren't worshiping God. Remember, they was worshiping their own gods and doing what they want. And that's why they was brought out of their land anyway into captivity. But some was left behind in that land that God had took out the, the many of them. So they were still in that land doing what they wanted. When you read the scripture closely that we just read, when God took them out and placed them in captivity in Assyria, he brought some other people that did not worship God and did not fear God. So the king that was in charge of this whole uh, takeover says, once I take them out, I put them in captivity, and then I'll send some of my people among them. And so the land now is occupied. The land that Israel was in is now occupied by Israelis and other people that is not of God. So can you imagine? So Israel was in rebellion against God. And now you move in these other folks in among them who do not know the Lord and typically worship and serve idols. And now you have a land filled with people who are in rebellion against God. And those who do not know him is also in that land. When I read that, it made me think of our world. There's people in this world today that fear God, but not worshiping God. And then there's people in this world that says, I don't care about that God that you all fear. Don't know nothing about him. And so we have a world filled with people that are living uh, and they're just worrying about their own ways and, and then serving their own gods. And then we have some that just saying, I don't know about that God, so I will worship and serve my own idol gods. And so everybody in our world is living their own way and serving their own gods. God don't show us anything in the Old Testament that he doesn't bring over to the new to let us understand it. That was physical, and now you're trying to teach us a spiritual concept. If you was in Sunday school today, you'll know. Sunday school was good today, wasn't it? But while people are doing what they want to do, God will always get their attention. We can live as ungodly as we want. We can worship idols all we want. We can live the lifestyle we choose to all we want. But God will get your attention. And so the way God chose to get their attention was to send lions in. Yeah, we don't want to think about the loving, awesome God that's going to do such a thing. 
Second Kings 17.25 says, And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. So because they feared not God, he says, I'll get your attention to see if you will serve me because you fear me. Respect me. That's not to be scared. I will send lions into your land to see if that will wake you up and get your attention to know I am the Almighty. When this happened, they knew right away when the lions came and started eating people, they knew right away. It was the God of the land who allowed these lions to come after them. So they inquired, what must we do for the Lord to stop these lions from eating us up? That's how we do. We live the way we want. We, we, we live our own lifestyle. We serve our own gods. And then when stuff bad happened, God, what happened? God, 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 what's going on here? Can you help me? God. And so we go to God. That's why I'm telling you God will do whatsoever he must to get your attention. But the question is, when he gets your attention, what will you do? He had to get your attention. So he got their attention. So they said, I know these lions that's coming after us, they've been sent by the God of this land because we didn't care nothing about his ordinances. We didn't care nothing about his statues. We just went into his land and did what we wanted to. They said America was built on men of God. And a lot of the things from the early, early, early days in America was about men that feared God. But somehow we drifted away from that kind of living. And now it don't look like America feared God anymore. And so they knew. So they inquire, how can we get rid of these lions? We must inquire to the God of this land. The king said, I will call for the priest who knows the God of that land. So he can teach you what to do so that the lions will not eat you. So the priest came and taught them the ordinances and statues of the Lord. But check this out. They listened to the priest. They listened to his teaching. They heard his teaching. And they believed his teaching and feared the Lord. That the priest preached about. If you ever sit in the service and hear somebody preach about God, you're going to listen, you're going to hear it, and you're going to fear the Lord. They did fear the Lord once they heard the preaching, once they realized they was messing up and the preacher came and preached. They did fear the Lord. Somebody say, but. But they continued in their same old lifestyle and serve their own gods. You can come into these walls that we call the church of the living God. 
The man of God or the woman of God can preach to your soul and to your spirit and tell you about the great and mighty God, Elohim, the mighty God who creates, and Jehovah, the self-existent God whose name is Jesus, the God of our salvation, and somebody can preach about him and tell you about him, how much he loves you and how he died for you and how he will save you. And you will say, my God. God, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he awesome? I'm so thankful. But then we walk out of these doors and serve our own gods and live the lifestyle that we want. We're no different from these children of Israel from way back then. We're still doing some of the same things that we read about. They heard the preaching of the preacher. They listened to it. They had respect for it. They thought it was amazing. But they still decided to continue in their old lifestyle and serve their own gods. We know Jehovah God is powerful and mighty. And we must worship and serve him. But we have other gods to serve, to worship as well. That's our attitude a lot of times towards God. I know God is powerful. I know God will save us. I know God can heal us. I know God can deliver us. I know God can provide for us. But I just can't leave my gods. I just can't stop living the life that I'm living. I just got to keep on doing this. So I'm going to fear God a little bit, and I'm going to have respect for him. I'm going to come to church sometimes, but I can't leave my lifestyle. I can't leave my God. I just got to keep doing my thing over here while I come to church sometimes. This is why I'm preaching to you today about being a a half-breed Christian, a a half-breed Christian. Oh, God, help us today that we will not be spiritual half-breeds, but we will be full, fully True all the way through as a Christian. Their profession, what they profess, what they spoke with their mouth, their profession was, we fear the Lord. Their practice was, we're going to serve our own gods and live our own life. God is good all the time, all the time God is good. Oh, we had church today. Oh, we tweet something real good. The preacher said blah, 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 hashtag boom. We go home and we sit around and we try to be intellectual today to discuss the message. Yeah, yeah. Remember he said this. And so intellectually we discuss it and we talk about it and we do all kind of things with the message. That's professing God. That's proclaiming God. The question is, are you going to leave the lifestyle that you want to live and leave the gods that you are serving to say, this won't just be a profession, but it will be my life. It will be what I do and what I am. I will not allow myself to profess God, but keep serving my own gods. Keep serving my own gods. Keep living my own life. Their desire was, we want to serve the Lord. Their will or willpower was, we cannot break away from our old life. We cannot give up 
our own gods. You may not say it like that because the author is recording this. So it's not him saying it. It's what was done. And so you might not say, like I just read it here, where you say, oh, you know, I I desire the Lord. I want to serve him. But, you know, I just don't have the, the, the strength and the willpower to cut away from my life and to do the right thing. You're saying it in your mind and you're living it out. You don't have to say it out loud. But the way you live your life is saying that. I fear the Lord. I respect him. But I just can't cut away. They were trying to appease God and please the devil and themselves at the same time. And I've read where the Bible says we can't serve two gods. You will either cling to the one and hate the other or love the one and hate the other. Whatever it is, we can't serve two masters. We can't serve God and man. We can't serve God and self. We can't serve God and the devil. We have to decide what we're going to do. If not, we're spiritual half-breeds or half-breed Christians when we're trying to do both. You can't be half-pregnant. So you can't be a half Christian. They had faith. Important. The problem was, it was not only enough, or I should say, it was only enough faith to produce fear in their hearts. Not to motivate their actions. We can come to church. We can cry. We can worship. We can sing. We can do all that we do. We can posture like we got it all together. We can do whatever we want to do. But if the word of God don't move you to action, you're half-breed. Whatever their fear of God meant, their customs, their practices, and the way of life remain the same. How often we're going to come to church? How much are we going to sing the songs? How much are we going to talk about God? But our action stays the same. They hope to gain just enough religion to keep the lions away. Yes. We just do just enough so God keep back your lions so I can be all right. But we don't want to get all into it just enough. Somehow, we just do not have the willpower to break away. Our old habits and our old lifestyle, we just can't break away. This is why it's important to me for the young people. Jen, I'm not picking on you. I love you, girl. But but my, my, my deal is I understand it that... If we don't get our young people together with God at an early age and not just let them follow behind us, but let them get involved, they're going to go south on us. They're going to go south on us. Because as we talked about in Sunday school, the more bad habits, the more sinful habits that you do, it weighs you down, Jen. Let me give you this. I don't, you was in Sunday school, so let, let me talk to you. I'm not talking to nobody else. As, as a young person, sin don't hurt God. We like to say, oh, God, I'm so sorry I sinned against you. Forget about that. 
Sin only hurts us. It don't hurt God. So a lot of times we go and we cry before God thinking that we did something to God. No, you didn't do something to God. You did something to yourself. And so what happens is when we sin, we pile on loads on us. We take on baggage on us. And what that means is we repent and we try to move forward. But while we're moving forward, Jen, the weight of the baggage, all the wrong we've done, it's on us. And so we're moving forward, but we're not doing it as as efficient or effective as we need to because there's weight. So we're walking almost like this because of all the loads of sin we committed against God. Did God forgive us? Yes. Can we go to heaven? Yes. But do you want to go to heaven walking around with loads and weights or do you want to go upright and free and being good and just feeling the Holy Ghost in your life? I'm sure the second one was better, right? And so what happens is, we sin so much, Jen, that there comes a time for some of us that we just give up. I can't carry this load anymore. And God becomes a weight and a load. We blame it on God, but we don't realize it's our sin. We're making it like, oh, living for God is hard. It, mm, I hear so many people when I heard the scripture says the, way is, the ways of the transgressors, the ways of the transgressor is hard. The ways of the transgressor is hard. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't tell me it's hard being a Christian. It's not hard being a Christian. It's the weight of sin and all that we've done over the years that weighs us down. And we say it's God. It's not God. Nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to say, you know, it's hard living for God. Stop it. I know we're going against the tide in this world because in this world it's sin. And so to do right is hard. I know that. But it's still not more difficult than living as a sinner. We're living for God with a whole bunch of baggage. And so we say living for God is hard. No, it's your baggage. So, young people, next week we'll talk. I'm asking you to try to really give your life to God at a young age so you don't get to my age and some of, our, some of the other folks here, their age, and it's hard living for God. All because of what you've piled up. That's what it's all about. And so they wanted to break away from their sins. They wanted to submit to God, but they just couldn't. That old nature, like Adam, our forefather, is getting the best of us. And we have become spiritual half-breeds or half-breed Christian. Somehow we believe we can fear God and still serve our own gods. Realistically, this is truly impossible, especially if we want a long-term relationship with God. We cannot just fear God and live the way we want to and make it to heaven. Satan has tried to make sin and the evils of this world more attractive to us. Sin has become more attractive than ever. And so it's, 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 it's packaged so different now. Our, our, our grandparents and our parents and our great-grands, sin wasn't packaged the, the, the way it's packaged now. And so we package it real good so it don't see 
seem like sin, but when we unwrap it, then we really get it in our face. Bam. But that's a work of the devil. He is one that will present things as an illusion, make you think something is one way when it's not. The Bible calls him a deceiver. Oh, the devil is trying to deceive you and make you think that the things that you're running after, the lifestyle that you like, the gods that's ruling in your life, that it's much better to serve them and serve that lifestyle and serve God because serving God is so hard. Serving God is so difficult. Can I tell you today, stop blaming serving God difficult. Don't say it anymore. Just say to yourself, if I would have just lived for God from I was a little child, if I would have just lived for God from I was a youth, if I would have just lived for God when I was in my 20s, if I would have just lived for God before now, I would be better off. It's not God. You created a culture in your life. You created a lifestyle. And that's what you're used to. That's what you're living. It's no different than people smoking cigarettes all the time. Knowing that it's cancerous, but you can't stop smoking it. It's no different. You know, this ain't good, this ain't good, this ain't good. What am I doing, man? But I just need a cigarette right now. And we'll look at somebody smoking cigarettes and say, man, they just sinning. Ain't no different than you coming to church and don't get right. We want to categorize stuff. And, oh, my God, help us. We don't need to categorize anything. The bottom line is, uh, are we fearing God and reverencing God and then let our actions go right behind us? Or we're playing around and still saying, I just got to serve my gods and do what I want. Mm, help us, Jesus. And so Satan is the great illusionist. He deceives us, and he's the master at deception. And if we don't get on the right side of God and know what God wants for us and understand God's word, he's going to deceive us. We may as well be able to say, I fear the Lord and believe the Lord. But the real question is, or are you loving him? Is it just you fear him? And you believe him? The question is, are you loving him? Are you worshiping him? Are you serving him? Gotta deal with this. Serving God. Nobody should tell you you need to serve God. I agree with that. We can't make people serve God. And we shouldn't pressure people to serve God. But what I will say is, if you have a real relationship with God and you love him, you're going to come tell me, Pastor, the Lord put this in my heart. When I walked into the church in March 1996, March 7th, first day, 1996, that I walked in the church for real. All the other times I went in church, I don't know what I was doing. This was the first time. I, this is the time I remember when I was walking in for real. And I walked in, March 7th, 1996. And I looked around and saw everything that was going on. And I realized that this is what I've been looking for and what God has for me. And once I realized that, the very first thing I did, once I gave my life to God, all I wanted to do was give my life to God. I gave my life to God. And the very next thing I wanted to do was serve. Because... 
Let me talk to these newly married people. When you love each other, you serve each other. It's not about, please understand, service to God is not somebody telling you, don't rebel. Don't rebel against God because people may have mistaught or you may have misunderstood that whole thing about serving God. And so now people are a little apprehensive saying, serving God, all they want to do is just treat you as slave. No, I don't want you to think like that. I want you to think about the person you love. Whoever you love a whole lot, think about how you deal with them. If I love God, I serve him. If I love God, I give myself to him. Who have children and says, I love you, but girl, I ain't got time. Who have a husband or a wife that they love and says, I love you, but ah. We serve God because we love him. Serving God don't get you to heaven. But you can't love God and not serve him. Let me let that get in. Serving God do not get you to heaven. But if you love God, you will serve him. Mm -hmm. So just coming to church and not serving God. You figure out what's going on with you. The people we read about in first in second Kings wanted to know about the God of the land and what he can do for them. But they were not concerned about his character or with his or, or with serving him and obey him. They wanted to know just a little bit about him to satisfy their spiritual hunger. How many of us know that God has put into us a hunger for him? Oh, how many of us know that God, when he created us, he made sure we had this, this, this thing in us that, 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 that says, I know there's a God. He has put into us what he wants to so we all will have a spiritual hunger to seek after and know who he is. And so it means we all come to church. That's why so many people go to church, because God created us to have an understanding of who he is. Every person that's born into this world is always curious about their parents. So if, if you were adopted or not, every one of us want to know about our parents. And as we get older, we want to know more and more, because we want to know the behaviors where they're coming from. And so with God... He's the creator of human beings. And so he left in us just this urge, just this hunger, this desire to want to know him. And so we come to church. Isn't God good? He will always make sure there's an opportunity for you. But he can't make you do anything. There's always an opportunity. And so the first opportunity that he will give you is that little hunger in you. To say, I need to go to church. I want to know a little bit about this God that I hear about. And so he made sure you had an opportunity to hear about him. He put that in us. We all live with it. So people come to church because they have a spiritual hunger. And we want to quench that spiritual hunger. We want to feed that spiritual hunger. However, they are not interested in any part of him that would change any part of them. 
We come to church because we have a spiritual hunger and we want to hear about God, but we just want to hear just enough to make us feel good, but we don't want any parts of God that's going to cause us to change any part of us. And so all we want to do is, God, tell me something that sounds good. Let the preacher say something that sounds kind of intelligent. Let the preacher preach to me just something to hold on to. So when I fight with my spouse, I'll tell them, well, God said, give me something just enough for me to say, oh, I know this and I know that. But don't give me no part of God. That's going to cause me to change some part of me. I like my life. Just let me come to church and hear something real smart. Because we live in the age of information. And so we come to church because maybe there's information we can get in church. Not information to change me, though. Just information so I can be intelligent and smart around people. Oh, you can come to church and get some intelligent, get some information that make you look real smart. It worked for me. Man, God bless me in corporate America and, and, and just did some things because people thought I was smarter than I was. Man, no, I ain't know nothing. Everything that I learned was God. So God can give you stuff and make you smart. But the question is, do you want the part of God that's going to make you have to change a part of you? They are spiritual half-breeds that just come in here but don't want to change. We just come in here. We don't want to change. I'm close to closing. There were people in the Bible. There were people in the Bible. And even today, the way our things are, but there were people in the Bible, and I'll give you some scripture to back it up, who followed Jesus for the fishes and the loaves. People followed him because he was multiplying fishes and bread. People followed him because he rose people from the dead. People followed him because he was healing them. People followed him because he was opening blinded eyes. People followed him because there was a lot of things he was doing that they liked. People followed him because he was providing for them. And they followed him. There was a whole bunch of people that followed him. But here are the different group of people that followed him. Huh. There were people that was following him. They followed him because they were skeptics. And they wanted to check it out, see how legit it was. There were people who followed Jesus because they were just outright cynical and they're looking for something to say, see why you shouldn't follow him? And then there were people who followed Jesus for what he could do for them. Which one of those people are you? Because I've lived a sinful life, I'm privileged. Some of you young people, you don't know and haven't lived what I've lived, so you're wondering and trying to figure out. Man, I want to go test the world. I want to go see what they're talking about. And so some of us are wondering. Young people, Genesis, my girl, go pick on her again. So some of us are wondering if we should go test the world. Genesis, you will never meet somebody else in the world today that know the world better than me. And I'm telling you, leave it alone. That's all I'm saying. 
I know that world. I know it. I, I don't have to get in the other part of sin. The other part of sin was standard. I'm just telling you I planned the parties and planned the outings to go sin. Me and my mom threw reggae parties. Yeah, me and Jennifer, Sister Jackson. Yes, we had sessions. I was the bartender. I kept the money. Me and my mom, we planned sin. So I'm trying to tell you, don't tell me about why you can't change. Don't tell me about what you think is better than God. There is nothing better than living for God uncompromised. There's nothing. Nothing compares to it. Nothing, nothing can compare to giving all your all to Jesus Christ. To me, even though I know I was a slave to the sin, to me, I wasn't a slave to sin. Some of us in here today lived in the world, but you was a slave to sin. I created sin. And so, closing here, Jesus asked them, will you? And Peter says, man, Lord, whom shall we go? Where shall we go? Thou have the words of eternal life. Verse 69 says, and we believe and are sure That thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, Peter understood you have the word to eternal life and we know you are God manifest in flesh. Where shall we go? Because you ask us a hard thing. We need to give up and walk away because you ask us commit more of ourselves. We need to walk away. Oh, no, we know who you are. And without you, there's no eternal life. Without you, we will not get to heaven. Without you, we don't have a chance. So we're not going any place. What will you trade? Your lifestyle? Your gods? For eternity? And for a relationship with Jesus Christ? What are you going to do? How are you going to live your life? Hey, Jesus, and I'm closing. We like the fishes. We like the bread. We really like the miracles. And all the other wonderful things you do, Jesus, we appreciate it. But eating of your flesh and drinking of your blood, that's too much, Jesus. So they walked away. Listen to this. They walked away to find a God and a lifestyle that don't require all of that. Will you walk away today to find a lifestyle and gods that don't require all of what Jesus wants? You see, that's what we're struggling with. We're struggling with, should I invest that much in God? Or do I need to go find another God? Do I need to go create another God? Because this God that, that, that's all-powerful, this God that, that is self-existent, this God that, that manifests himself in flesh and died for me, oh, man, he asked too much. He wants too much sacrifice. He wants me to submit too much, and I like my lifestyle. We cannot just desire his presence, his blessings, the fishes and loaves, And the fellowship. 
we must be committed enough to say, God, whatever it takes, I am willing to do it. Whether I understand it or not, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. Lord, I don't always understand what you're asking me, what you're telling me, but whatever it takes, I'll do it. God, I kind of have a schedule, a regiment. I'm in a process of God breaking me from my regiment. And it's killing me. I like to go to bed late. And God is breaking me from that. Because I can't serve you and serve God going to my bed late. You don't understand how hard that is. If I'm going to be the best pastor, minister, caretaker, under-shepherd, preacher, whatever it is that God wants me to be to you and to him. I can't go to my bed late like I like to. I used to like 2 o'clock, 1.30 is good bedtime for me. He's breaking me from it. Because to study his word, to prepare myself to get here and minister to you with my full-time job, I'm going to have to do that. It's killing me. But I've already made up my mind. Whatever you want, God. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I want to watch streaming because I don't have TV. I want to watch streaming the NBA. Last night, transparent as I can be, Daryl. Transparent as I can be. Good game. Oklahoma City and Golden State. And I knew it was going to be good. And I did this for the Lord. I shut the TV off and turned over and went to bed. Because I said, I need to wake up in the morning and go over this thing that I've been slaving over all week long. And I want to make sure it's fresh in my heart. I want to make sure Sunday school lesson is prepared. I want to make sure everything is good. So I shut it off, rolled over, and went to sleep. That wasn't easy for me. And I bounced up early this morning. And again, going over the lesson. Going over the lesson. I got to make sure I get there on time. I got to get Sunday school stuff together. Make sure they get a good word in Sunday school. And then make sure when we get to church. And I'm texting this person. Make sure this is what we're doing. Make sure that. And I'm just putting all of this in. And I realize if I'm going to be effective, I can't go to bed late no more. It might seem simple to you. But what I'm telling you is whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. And this don't have anything to do with a preacher. I couldn't get here unless I was already doing those things in my life, the little things, whatever he wants, whatever he wants, whatever he wants. And so for my whole life, I understood whatever he wants, whatever he wants, whatever he wants. And I did little things, little things, little things till it became to this point, whatever he wants, whatever he wants. And today he's saying to you, will you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood? And Jesus is letting you know the flesh represents the bread of life, the word of God. Will you allow the word of God to be the sole authority in your life? Not what anybody says, but what the word of God says. Will you allow the word of God to be the sole authority? Will you let the word of God settle any misunderstanding, any concerns that you may have in your life, that you may have with people. Will you let the word of God settle it? That's why I said, eat of me. Let the word, the authority. Your authority is the word of God. And then he said, my blood, drink of my blood. The Bible says, 
The life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood is what gives you life. So when he said to them, uh, when he said to them, will you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood? He says, will you give your life to me for this word, following this word, giving your life and obeying my word? That's what Jesus is calling all of us to do. Not the preachers only, not the praise singers only, not the leaders in the church only, but every single person he's calling all of us to say, will you commit your life to me and let my word be the authority over you? Will you do that? Because I'm calling all of you, all of us are supposed to do that. This is not about, oh, I fear God. But I just can't. God has called us on the carpet today to say, I don't want you just to fear me. But will you give your life to me? Will you stand today? Half-breed Christians or spiritual half-breeds. We have to search our heart today. We have to ask God to search our heart to say am I a half breed I respect God I know he's real I know he can provide for me I know he can protect me but 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 I just got to keep on living the life that I want I got I got to live how I see it I got to live the way I feel it I got to let the things in my life that I like stay in my life I'm not pushing anything out I'm not going to bed early I'm just going to still go late and whatever. Lord, help us today. It's time to take the next leap, the next step in God. You have no idea where God wants to take you. I understand, unfortunately, in this crowd today, there's some cynics. There's some skeptics. There is some that's here because they want something. Give me something. Give me something. I want something. And there's some true blue believers. All four is in here today. So I realize that everybody has different thought on what I just talked about. I realize that everybody's going to respond differently. Because you're going to respond depending on who you are. But I'm praying today in the name of Jesus that somebody will totally surrender and give themselves to God and say, Lord, whatever it takes. Uh, oh, God, help us. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, Lord God, whatever it takes. Who in this room today will say, God, whatever it takes? Huh. Holy Ghost. If you will say to God today, whatever it takes. God's going to send me to you to tell you what he wants. Because God is going to hold us to our word. But the things God wants to do in your life. Oh. All of us, there's destiny awaiting us. 
there's destiny awaiting us and God wants to take it to your destiny the way he had planned and ordained for you to go to your destiny and be in your destiny. The question is, he got to get you to say whatever it takes. God has your destiny in hand, but you must do what he's ordering you to do in order to meet your destiny. Oh. Will you make that commitment to God today? Will you say today, God, 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 whatever it takes. I'm done. I'm done fearing you, talking about you, but still living my lifestyle, my old lifestyle, still serving my God because that's how I am and what I'm comfortable with. Oh, God, help us today. <laughs> will somebody, will somebody make that commitment to God? Will somebody submit to the, to, to the will of God for their life? Will somebody, will somebody today yield and say, God, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will.